again. It's uh, good to see you. I'm excited for you to get to hear our speaker this morning, uh, Pastor Scott Shepherd. He and his wife, Elizabeth, they pastor Cornerstone Church in Athens, Georgia. And I learned something interesting about Scott this morning. In the last 20 years, he has only missed three UGA home football games. So I don't know if he's preaching about the Bulldogs this morning, but they kind of had their own message yesterday for Oregon. Anybody excited about that? I figured a few of you might be. All right. I won't mention that the Wolverines also dominate in their game, but uh, some of you don't even know what a Wolverine is. But without further ado, would you welcome uh, a friend of Pastor Kirk's and a friend of Mount Perry North, Pastor Scott Shepard. Thank you. All right, come on, good morning, North. Let's give Jesus a big hand, can we? Come on. Come on, he's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Come on, let him know you love him today. Amen, amen. So while we're here talking about the Bulldogs, we might as well get a good go, dogs. Come on, one, two, three. That's what I'm talking about. We didn't just win a little bit yesterday. <laughs> we took it to the number 11 team. Well, they were number 11. <laughs> now they're number 111, thanks to Georgia. <laughs> Hey, um, but you know what? I always tell myself, I go to a lot of football games, but I'm never going to give them more than I give him. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, one more time for Jesus. Come on, how many, how many love him today? Are you, are you ready for his word? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, try to try to feed you real good here in just a few minutes, but um, before I, I get started, a few things I, I just want to say is, is thank you to your, your amazing team to um, Brett, man, what a great word you preached last Sunday morning. Nine people gave their hearts to Jesus. How about that? What a great, what a great thing. And, and Pastor Lance, I thought, I thought I was going to come out of my seat with worship today. Come on, if you didn't feel Jesus in that, you got some wet wood. You need to, you need to go out and do something on your own because it was, it was hot today. And, um, and um, Jason and Sarah, thank you for working to everything for me. In fact, I wish my wife could be here today, but she's back in Athens um, holding down the fort. I just got word somebody, um, my youth pastor preached for me today and uh, first time ever preaching um, in like, you know, the big church. And I got three or four messages after the first service. Two of them said, your boy hit a home run today. So come on, y'all, just give Ira a big hand. He's his first time preaching in the big church and um, he... He did well. I got a picture of my family. Um, usually, this is like my fourth or fifth time here. You feel like your family, but this is my, um, my beautiful family, my wife, my son over there on the left, my daughter in the middle. Um, she got married just, a, um, just um, well, it was more than nine months ago because next week, y'all take a look at this one. Um, next Sunday morning, I'm gonna be a papa. Uh, yeah, I know y'all are wondering, how can you, you look like you're 30 years old. How can you be a grandpa? <laughs> She's going to make me the youngest grandpa on the planet, but uh, we're excited about that. I wish they could all be here. Uh, Y'all, that's enough there. I'm going to cry, um, but I, I wish they could be here with me, but I am really honored. You know, it's always, it's always a, a special honor to be invited into, into your friend's um, pulpit, to stand behind this sacred desk and bring the word of God for a friend is always a, is always a really, really high honor, um, but I, I told the, the early service that when um, when a friend calls you in a time like this to stand in his pulpit, it's, um, it's a double honor. And I'm, I'm honored today um, when Kurt called me um, the day after Laura passed and said, I need you to, I need you to preach next week. Can you, can you be here? Um, he's, a, he's not just a friend. He's a, he's a brother to me. And um, last week at that service, I watched, I watched that man stand like a rock. I mean, I sat right over there, me and my wife, and I heard Pastor Kurt honor his bride, honor Laura, and 
honor his family and honor the Lord. I leaned over to my wife and I said, baby, I love you a lot, but I don't know if I'm that big a man. <laughs> I mean, he was a rock. Aren't you glad that God gives us strength? Yeah, our, our, our weakness, you know, his strength is made perfect. Isn't that a great promise? I talked to him last night and I said, um, I said, Kurt, what do you want me to tell, um, tell the North family? He said, first of all, tell them thank you. He said, tell them thank you for loving me and my family and Laura through this season. So on his behalf, let me just say thank you. And then he said, tell them that I love them. Um, so on his behalf, your pastor loves you. And um, he'll be back real, real soon to, to be with you. Um, but I just hope you'll continue to pray for him and um, just pray God's strength. He also wanted you to know he, he's doing okay. He's doing okay. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. God's going to give him strength, and he's going to make it. Amen? He's going to make it. God, God knew he was going to cross this mountain before this mountain showed up, and he already promised him strength. So thank you for loving your pastor. Thanks for loving my friend, and thanks for honoring him the, the, way, that, the way that you do. Well, are you ready for God's word? Say yes. I'm going to talk to you today for a few minutes about on this subject. We're just going to call it, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you Come on, I like that. Are you ready for this? Come on, my amen corner over here. That's what I'm talking about. You keep shouting, I'll keep preaching, all right? We'll get out by dinner time, I promise. But I want to talk to you about chasing down the promises of God. How many believe God has big things for you in your life? Come on, how many believe God has big things for you in your life? I just believe that, that where you are right now is just the beginning of where God wants to take you to. I believe that his plans are bigger than your plans. I believe his dreams are bigger than your dreams. In fact, um, he, he promises that. He, he says in Ephesians chapter three, he says, I am a God who does exceedingly abundantly above everything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And, and that's the scripture we memorize. But a few weeks ago, I read that same scripture, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, in this translation, and I love it. Listen to this. It says, God can do anything. Somebody say, anything. anything. You know what that means? Whatever you need, God can do it. He said, God can do anything, far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Here's what that means. God has things in store for you that you've not yet dreamt of yet. It means that God has things that he wants you to experience that you've not even thought about asking him for yet. And I want to talk to you about how do you chase down those dreams that God has for you. So when God taps you on the shoulder and he says, are you ready for this? You're ready to go. I, I want to, uh, uh, have you ever... Have you ever noticed that sometimes God just tries to get our attention? You ever notice like you've been just minding your own business, going through life, and all of a sudden it's like, I think God's trying to tell me something. You ever been there? It's like he tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, look at this. That's what I believe God wants to do for some of us today. I believe God wants to have one of those moments with you, ordinary Sunday morning, ordinary path of life for you, and God just taps you on the shoulder and says, Psst, are you ready for this? because he has something bigger than you've dreamed of yet. He's got something that you've not even thought about asking him for yet. And he says to you this morning, are you, are you ready? 
Are you ready for this? See, that's what Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 says. It says, I know the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. I wanna prosper you and not to harm you. That's what God says. See, you don't have to take my word for it. You just have to believe his word. Because he said, I declare this over your life. And I wanna use as a platform, Exodus chapter three, we're gonna talk about a guy that whether this is your first time in church or you've been in church all your life, you've heard, of, you've heard of Moses because Moses is one of the most influential men, one of the most influential characters to ever walk on the planet. And we pick up a story in Exodus chapter three, Israel had been held captive, they'd been in bondage, good old fashioned slavery is what it was. They had been in slavery for 430 years to the Babylonians. God taps Moses on the shoulder one day and he says, listen, Israel's been in captivity for long enough. God says, I'm about to let my people go. And Moses, I want you to go to tell Pharaoh to let, you've seen, you've seen um, like Prince of Egypt, right? With, with your kids, you, you know the story. He says, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses goes, Moses, what's Pharaoh say? No, God says, oh, and then he sends the 10 plagues. And after the 10 plagues, Pharaoh says, okay, enough is enough. Just get them out of here. Let them go. Israel takes off out into the desert toward the Red Sea. And what does Pharaoh do? He changes his mind. He gets tired of cooking his own meals, making his own bed, cleaning his own house. And he says, I need my slaves back. And he sends his army out to bring Israel back but then he finds them on the edge of the Red Sea. But not only were they at the edge of the Red Sea, they were at the edge of the second greatest miracle the world has ever seen, only second to the resurrection of Jesus. When God says, listen, because God's getting ready to do something, he's gonna save his people, but he's also gonna bring glory to himself because you know God is always multitasking, right? You know what God, what God does for you is never just about you. You know that, right? Because God, remember what he said? He said, I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians. In other words, he said, I'm gonna fill them so full of pride that those who aren't following me will begin to believe that they can go where my children go. And God parts the Red Sea. You remember the story? Israel goes across on dry land. God hardened the hearts of the Egyptians they said, well, if they can go, we can go. They followed him into the Red Sea. And what does God do? He closes the Red Sea on the Egyptians and, and destroys the whole army. You remember the story? What's God doing? He's saving them and he's bringing glory to himself because the story of the Red Sea is really a type and shadow of what Jesus did when he was on the cross. He saved us on the cross, but he brought glory to himself through his resurrection from the dead. You remember that? That's what God did on that day. He saved Israel by parting the Red Sea, but he brought glory to himself by saying, what's this? To a monotheistic culture, a culture who had many gods, they worshiped everything. But on that day, God not only saved his people, but God brought glory to himself by saying to those people, there's only one God who has real power, and that is me, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, the one and only God. It's a powerful, powerful picture. And that day is a great day in Moses' life because Moses hears God's plan. God reveals his purpose. And because of it, not only did Moses take part in rescuing God's people from, from Egyptian slavery, but Jesus 
God's son came through that very nation years later. And all of that happened because Moses one day leaned into God and said, God, what is your plan for my life? And he says, here I am. Here's the story in Exodus chapter three. Now Moses was out tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, who was the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him. It's an ordinary day. Moses just went to work like he goes to work every other day, taking care of his father-in-law's farm. He takes them to the far side of the property and there an angel shows up. Listen to this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, hmm, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And this is it. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Two things really important to know about that passage. Number one, God called Moses. Do you remember what we said in Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God had plans for Moses, so God calls Moses. The, the same thing is true for you and for me. In the same way that God calls you and me on our normal, ordinary days, God calls Moses on his normal and ordinary day. Then it goes on and it says, listen, this is a pivotal point of this whole story. Moses, the Bible says, leaves what he's doing and he walks over to the burning bush. He says, I think I'll check out what God's doing. I think I'll lean in to what God's saying. And in that moment, he heard the Lord say, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, maybe the three most important words he's ever said in his life and that is this, here I am. Now listen, here's the reason that's important because Moses didn't have to lean in. Moses didn't have to listen. Moses didn't have to stop what he was doing so he could go and tune in to what God was saying. In the same way that you showed up to church this morning, you can be in the presence of the Lord, you can hear the word of the Lord, but you can go home this afternoon and you can pretend like it never happened. You can go home today, you can leave the presence of the Lord, the word of the Lord, and you can act like you didn't hear what you didn't hear. And Moses in that moment, he could have just walked away. He could have pretended that he wasn't in the presence of the Lord. He could have pretended like the Lord wasn't saying anything. And if he had, of God would have still delivered his people, amen? Because God's gonna do what God wants to do. He would have just tapped somebody else to be his servant. But this day, because Moses had the heart and he had the will, to lean in and say, God, here I am. Speak to your servant. He got the right information from the right person. How many know sometimes we go to the wrong people for the right information? I always tell folks, listen, if you want to know something about me, come ask me. Don't go ask them. Don't go ask him. Don't go to Facebook. Don't go to Instagram. Don't go to Twitter. If you want to know about me, come ask me. You ever notice that the way you get the right information is to go to the right source? 
But have you ever noticed how many times we, we want to know? Here's the question. All of us want to know. We all ask the same question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Why has God placed me on this planet? There's nobody in the room who hasn't asked that question of themselves. We all ask the same question, but have you ever noticed how many different places we go to? I mean, we'll ask our parents, we'll ask our friends, we'll ask social media, we'll read 13 books on our purpose for our life, but we'll never think to go to the very God who created us and place that purpose in us and say, God, what is it that you want from my life? Moses, he teaches us in that moment, he says, God, here am I. Because he believed Jeremiah 29, 11. He believed that God had a plan for him. It was a plan to bless him. So he leans in and he says, God, how? Now, let me just get real practical with you for a moment because here's what I know. There's people in the room right now and you're already saying, Scott, that sounds great, but how do I do that? How do I get God's heart? How do I get God's plan? How do I lean into God and identify what his plan or his purpose is for my life? I'm gonna give you three things, real practical, very, very simple. And, and, and here's what I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you to do. Remember these. Number one, you ready? Keep coming back. You wanna hear God's word? You wanna hear God's voice? You wanna hear God's plan? Keep coming back. Coming back where? Coming back to his house because week after week after week, someone's gonna stand on this stage. They're gonna open up the word of God. You will hear the word of God when you come to the house of God. But when you come, don't just come to satisfy somebody else. Don't just come to check off that box that you did it this week. Don't just come because your family's coming. When you come, come early enough, come intentionally enough to get in those back doors. Take a moment, just breathe this prayer. God, I have come to your house because because I need to hear from you. Would you speak to me today, Lord? Say it when you get in the house. When you walk through the door, say, God, this is not an ordinary day. I need to hear from you today. Show up. Keep coming back. Number two, lean into people that are leaning into Jesus. Be, be intentional about your, your time with people who are following him. It's, that's why this is such a great Sunday to sign up for a small group. You'd be amazed at what a difference it'll make in your life when you lean into people that are leaning into Jesus. Now, listen, two things. What I'm, I'm not saying is you don't need any non-Christian friends. You need some non-believing friends. Because if you don't have any non-believing friends, who are you witnessing to? Who are you going to tell about Jesus if you don't know anybody that don't know Jesus? What I'm not talking about is just hanging out with Christians. Because how many know you can be a Christian and not really be leaning into God's plan? You can be a follower of Christ, but not following God's purpose for your life. So I'm talking about leaning into people who are actually leaning into Jesus. You'd be amazed at what a difference it would make in your life if you would begin to lean into, fellowship with, spend time with people who are actually spending time with God. Number three, when I was in college, I was in a fraternity and we had a devotion one night. Guy comes in and he says, hey men, if you really want to know God, serve God, love God, know God's plan for your life, that's what got my attention. I'll never forget what he said. He said, you got to spend quality time alone with God. And then he said, start with 10 or 15 minutes. 
He said, take the first five to seven minutes and just pray. Just talk to God about your day, about your life, about your questions. Talk to God. Then he said, take the next five to seven minutes and read God's word and ask God to speak to you through his word. And at first it might feel awkward. You might even feel a little insecure. You might even feel like out of place. But after a few days or a few weeks or a few months, you look back and you say, man, I've been coming back to the house of God. I've been leaning into people who are actually leaning into God. I've been actually spending quality time alone with God. Listen, it makes all the difference. You'll look back and you'll say, man, that old guy from Athens, he was right. Because you'll see your world is different. Your life is different. Your spirituality is different. Your ears are different. Your eyes are different. Why? Because you've been in God's presence. Because you've been with God's people. Because you've tuned your life to God's purpose for your life. It makes all the difference in the world. It's a powerful, powerful picture. That's what, that's what Moses that's what Moses did. He just kept on coming, coming back. And when he did, he leaned into that bush. Moses, here I am. And God said, that's all I wanted, to know that you wanted to hear from me. And then God says, now let me give you the first phase of the plan. And then God says this, now the cry of Israel has reached me. He said, I've seen the way the Egyptians have been oppressing them. So now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And in that moment, you know what Moses does? He does what you and I do so often when God's speaking. You know what Moses said? The same thing we say. What? Are you serious? Come on, you ever said that to God? It's like God put something in your heart and your spirit, and you're like, what? Are you serious? That, that's what Moses said. Listen, you can read it, and he says this in verse 10. He says, so now, he said, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, what? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, you cannot be serious. And then if you want to read something fun, Read Exodus chapter three and chapter four. You know what the whole thing is? It's Moses trying to explain to God why God's plan will not work. Now, that's funny. But in verse four, or chapter four, verse 10, Moses says this. This is good. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Now, here's what that really means. Excuse me, Lord, I'm about to say something stupid. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. He said, I've never been eloquent, neither have I, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. In other words, here's what Moses is saying. I know you've called me. I know you've chosen me. I know you've got something for me, but I ain't really good for much. Pardon your servant, Lord. I'm slow to speech. My tongue doesn't work very well. Moses is saying what we so often feel. He's, he's saying like, God, I mean, I don't have what it takes to do this. I'm not qualified. I don't have the experience. I don't have the finances. I don't have the, the relationships. I don't have the platform. I could never do this. And you know what Moses is doing? Watch this. He's doing what we so often do if we're not very careful. Watch, Moses is talking himself out of the dream that God's putting in his heart.
And there's some of you that are here in the room today, and God is trying to drop his dream in your heart. He's been getting your attention, tapping you on the shoulder, putting something in you that he's, that he's chosen you, that he's, that, he's, that he's calling you, that he just, he just wants you to, you to do it. Some of you, he's like not asking you to leave. He's not asking you to go anywhere, change jobs. He's not asking you. To, he's just saying, stay where you are and be so incredibly faithful that I have to award, reward your faithfulness. Because you know, God, listen, you know, God, your obedience, my obedience will always precede God's miraculous. But what we want is God's miraculous. And then, well, when you show up with power, then I'll be obedient. But God's like, no, that's not the way this works. You read the whole Bible through and you'll never see miraculous showing up before obedience. You'll only see obedience preceding the miraculous. And God says to us what he said to Moses that day, no, it's not about you being qualified. It's about you being obedient. He says, Moses, I don't want to see your confidence because, watch, your confidence, my confidence never impresses God. Only our faith impresses God. I pray before I preach, every single time I stand on a stage, God, don't ever let me stand on a stage without butterflies in my stomach. I don't ever not want to be afraid. I don't ever not want to be nervous. I don't ever want to feel significant and adequate and qualified because the moment those butterflies leave me is the moment that I become self-dependent rather than God-dependent. God doesn't, he doesn't want my, my, my self-sufficiency. He wants my God-sufficiency. That's what he's trying to, to get across to, to Moses in this, in this story. He says, are you, are, you ready? are you ready for this, Moses? And Moses goes on and he talks himself like almost out of the dream. Listen, in verse 13, he says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please just send someone else. You ever felt like that? I mean, there's some of you, you're, you're like in the room right now and God's saying, I want you to go deeper. I need more of you. I need a deeper commitment from you. I need you to do more than check spiritual boxes in your life. Like, I need your heart. And you're like, yeah, but God, I don't have that kind of discipline. I mean, I just, that's not me. I don't know that I can even, that I can even give you that. Some of you, God's calling you to, to start a new company. He's starting you, calling you to maybe start a new ministry. For some of you, I mean, you're coming to church, but you're not serving. And God's saying like, listen, I need you serving. Some of you are coming, but you're not giving. And he says, I need you to begin giving. Some of you, he says, I need you to help somebody. Some of you, he's like, no, I don't want you to leave where you are. I want you to stay where you are, but be so incredibly faithful in that job, in that family, in that church, in that ministry, that I have to honor your faithfulness. God says in response to to, to, Mo, to, to, to Moses, in response to all of his questions, in response to all of Moses's concerns, in response to all of Moses's excuses, God says three things to him. They'll change your life. Four verses, three things that have the power to absolutely change your life. God said this, number one, you wanna write them down. He said, number one, this is what I want you to remember. Number one, he said, I'm calling you. God, God's calling him. He, God says, I'm calling you. 
I'll be with you and I'll prepare you. God says, I'm calling you, I'll be with you and I'm preparing you. Let me show you how this lays out in the conversation between God and and Moses. He says in chapter three of Exodus, verses 10 through 12, he says, he says, so now God says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What's God saying? He said, I am calling you. I am choosing you. You're not choosing you. You're not calling you. I'm cho- your mama's not calling you. Your daddy's not calling you. Your friends aren't calling you. Your teachers aren't calling you. Your pastor's not calling you. God says, I am the one calling you. I'm calling you to go to Pharaoh and bring my people out. And what does, what does Moses do? He says, well, who, who am I? I mean, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That leads to the second thing God tells him that'll change your life. God says, listen, Moses, I'm going with you. Not only am I calling you, but I'm going with you. Every person that you have to deal with, I'm gonna be with you. Every issue that you have to face, I'm gonna be with you. Every circumstance, every challenge that you have to deal with, God says, I am going to be with you. He says, I'm not just saying for you to go. He said, I'm gonna be with you. You know, I'm not gonna call you and give you an attaboy, you know, and then tell you to go get them, son. No, I am going with you. It's me and you. Let's go. Not you go, but it's a contraction. Let us go. You're not going by yourself. I'm going with you. You'll never be alone. I'm calling you and I am going to be with you. That's how you chase down the impossible. You know who called you and you know who's with you. Why? Because when you know who you are, that's when you know what to do. He said, I'm calling you. And then he says, I am going to be the one that is with you. That's why you can be confident. That's why you can go in peace. That's why you can have joy even in the midst of conflict because I called you and because I'm with you. Oh, and because I'm a God who does do exceedingly abundantly above everything that you ever asked, thought, or imagined, God says this. He says, and I am going to prepare you. In verse 12, he says this. He says, now I will help you speak and I will even teach you what to say. Is that powerful or what? Because what's God saying to Moses? He says, no, you're not qualified. But my call on your life is not about your qualifications. It's about your faith. It's about your obedience. He says, I'm not looking for your confidence. I'm looking for your obedience. He says, Moses, I just want you to know that when you go, I will begin to prepare you. I'll give you strength. I'll give you the ability. I'll give you the courage. I'll give you the knowledge. God, I pray all the time. Every day of my life, I pray this prayer. Maybe you want to pray it too. God, today, give me wisdom beyond my experience. And God said, when you go in faith, I will give you wisdom beyond your experience. If, if we had time, I could tell you story after story after story of the years of ministries and selling buildings and building buildings and the things that, that we've done over the past 20 years where I had no idea what I was doing, but in a, meetings with lawyers and with bankers and with 
government officials and we would be on the losing edge and God would just drop something in my heart and I would say it and say, I don't even know where it came from. And the tables would turn in our favor. Because if he calls you, he's gonna be with you. And if he's with you, he'll prepare you. Not because you're qualified, because you're faithful. This, this whole story is just fascinating to, to me. In verse 12, he says, now, now, now go and I'll speak to you. I'll tell you what it is you need to say. And you know, I, want you to, I want you to begin to, to understand that God calls you. God will be with you. And God will prepare you. You need to write that down. You need to have it on a card in your house. I've got it in my office on the wall. If you don't like putting things on the wall, then tattoo it on your forearm. Put it on your forehead. Put it somewhere where you get it in you that you know, I've taught my kids this since they were babies. God calls you, God goes with you, God prepares you. You don't have to be afraid of people. You don't have to teach my kids that you don't have to be afraid of people. You don't have to be afraid of places. And you don't have to be a thing, afraid of things. Because God's calling you. God's going with you. And God is the one that's going to prepare you. Just say that. Say that with me. Say, he called me. He's with me. And he'll prepare me. Come on, now say it like you know it. He called me. He called me. Say it like you know it. He called me. He called me. He's with me. He's with me. And he'll prepare me. He'll now preach to yourself and say it. Come on. He called, me. he called me. Come on, you're not preaching good enough yet. He called me. He called me. He's with me. He's with me. And he'll prepare me. And he'll me. I'm passionate about this because... I've had to, to make myself get better at this because I'm not naturally, I'm not naturally good, at, good at this. Because your life's just like my life. And every time God calls me to something that feels like, you know, that's impossible or something a little bit bigger. I mean, I'll never, never forget the stories in my life of me having to go back and withdraw this from that treasure tre chest of truths that God's put in my spirit and say to the devil or say to myself or say to other people, listen, because whenever you get God's plan, you'll first of all try to talk yourself out of it. And if you don't, God, the devil will send people to try to talk you out of it. And if he can't find a person, he'll try to talk you out of it. And at times you just have to stand up and say, no, he called me. He's with me. He'll prepare me. I never forget my call. Whenever I was called to ministry, I was making every excuse you could imagine. I'm not qualified. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I mean, I've, never, I've not even read the whole Bible. I've never been to seminary. I've never been to Bible school. I mean, I got a management degree. I was going to law school. I'm working out in business, and I'm not prepared for this. 
I'm not good enough for this. When God took me out of where I was, it's a crazy story much longer than we have. He called me to be a youth pastor. I can't do that. He called me to pastor like big church. I could never do that. He called me to build church. I could never do that. He called me to serve on boards and I know nothing really about what these people do. I could never do that. He challenged me to lead thousands of people spiritually. I could never do that. try to talk myself out of it. The enemy tries to talk myself. When I, listen, when I, first, when I first said yes to, it was a crazy, crazy story how I got there, but I left a very, very lucrative um, career. When a pastor called me one day in Boca Raton, Florida and said, Scott, I don't know what this means, but I'm supposed to ask you to come be our youth pastor. And if your tithing is any indication of what you're making, I can pay you about one fifth of what you're making. And when my heart broke, before I could even ask him a question, I said, I'll come. And it was amazing. The Lord blessed it. There's only seven kids in the youth group, seven kids. And in 17 weeks, we had 70 kids. And God just breathed on it. It was in the, I mean, we were in the hood. We're downtown Orlando in the, in the, in the hood. I was taking kids home to crack houses at night. I had prostitutes jump in my Jeep before I could drop them off. And, and little boys saying, oh, girls, can't y'all see he's a preacher? And when they hear I'm a preacher, they ask me to pray for them instead of propositioning me. God was just blessing it. And one Wednesday night after a big event we had had, we built this youth house and, um, and this man comes up to me. He's a preacher, an evangelist, and his kids are in my youth group. And he just begins to tell me all the things he doesn't like about me. I don't like the way you preach. I don't like the way you handle kids. I don't like your methods. I don't think you can be their friend and their pastor. I don't think the way you preach will ever you know, equate to anything. You'll never build anything. I think the best thing you could do for these kids and for this church is resign. That's what he told me. I'm like, you know, you're my elder, but right now you sound more like a modern-day Pharisee. I'm supposed to respect you. You even said you heard from the Lord. And fear just rose up on the inside of me. And my mind began to say, see, I told you you shouldn't have left. I told you you couldn't do this. I told you you're not qualified. Maybe he's right. But then all of a sudden, what I'm telling you today rose up on the inside of me. And this holy boldness just said, no, you didn't call me. He called me. You didn't promise to be with me. He promised to be with me. You didn't promise to prepare me. He promised to prepare me. And I was there for you know, a while and then moved up here to North Atlanta, Roswell, pastoring, youth pastor and, um, over at Roswell Restoration Church is, is where I was. It was amazing. And God was just doing great, great things. And I love those kids. And they love me. And they started inviting all their friends to church. And, and listen, let me just tell you the greatest compliment you can pay your pastor is not a compliment at the back door on the way out. The greatest compliment you'll ever pay your pastor is by inviting your friends to church. Because when you invite your friends, that's an endorsement of their work, of their ministry, of the truth they teach, and, and asking someone else to come sit under their leadership. That's the greatest endorsement. That's the greatest compliment you can ever give your pastor. Kids started inviting their friends, and the Lord just blew it up, and, and it was amazing. And I had a bunch of kids in Mexico, and I come home from Mexico, and I'm, I'm, um, my world just got turned upside down. Didn't see, didn't, didn't expect what I was going to find whenever I got back home, and it just wrecked my life, wrecked my whole world. Never imagined anything like this could ever happen to me. And, um, and 
I'll never forget Pastor Munn, my pastor. He just kept pushing me through. He, We're going to make it, Scott. You're going to make it one day at a time. I'm going to push you to the finish line. He just kept pushing me. An elder in the church came to me one day. He said, I've heard from the Lord. And I said, well, well share with me what you've heard. And he said, I think the best thing that you could do for our church is to resign at this time. And again, everything in me, you know, I want to be respectful. And I'm thinking, well, he said he heard from the Lord. Maybe he did. And I'm in my Jeep driving home from, from that church. And, and I remember just crying in my Jeep, crying all the way home. I'm thinking, maybe he's right. But then again, this holy boldness, this thing rose up on the inside of me. And something inside of me said, no, no, he didn't call you. God called you. He didn't promise to be with you. God promised to be with you. He can't prepare you. Only God can prepare you. And again, that gave me the fuel. I mean, it put gas in my tank to keep doing what God had called me to do. And then God called me to go pastor the big church. And I moved to Athens and and um, when I moved there, I'd only preached to adults one time and they never asked in the interview, so I didn't tell them. And, and, and after the first year, the church had grown from, two, from 300 people to 200 people. Come on, revival, it hit Athens. And then these, these, these um, old timers in the church, they asked for a meeting and they, they came in and they sat with me and they said, listen, son, they called me son. They said, listen, son. And they, they didn't mean it disrespectfully, but it was disrespectful. And they said, listen, son, the way you're doing things isn't working. People don't want to sing songs from a screen. They want to read songs out of a book. They want their pastor to wear a suit and a tie. They want their pastor to sit on stage. If you'll listen to us, son, they said, we'll build this church back up to a thousand, to, to 300. And I remember something went off in my spirit. I mean, I didn't go home and cry. I, didn't, I had practice at this point. I mean, I was ready. Something went, and I said, God didn't show me 300. God showed me 3,000. You didn't call me. You're not going with me. You're not going to prepare me. And I had gas in my tank to continue doing just three years ago. It never ends. Listen, listen, you better know, listen, when you listen to people, you better know how to hear from God because when God wants to bless you, he's going to use people. When the devil wants to curse you, he's going to use people. Either way, your blessing or your curse is coming wrapped up in skin. You better have something on the inside of you to discern what's happening in your life right now. I got home, got home from my sabbatical and, and some guys in the church, they were some leaders. They wanted to meet with me. And, and they, 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 this was just like three, and it's a big church. It's a big church. And they, they didn't want to meet in my office. They wanted to meet in their office. That should have told me, no, okay, this isn't my meeting. Now this is your meeting, but I, I'm not that smart. But I went and they, they said, you know what? We feel like at this point, it would be best if you would take some more time and step down for a while and let us lead the church. And these were guys that, that I knew. These are guys that I thought I could trust. And I felt like I'd been gut punched. I'd been set up in a meeting. They asked me not to bring my wife, not to ask my dad, not to bring my administrator, just come alone. And I got in my car. How many know God's still good? Y'all don't feel sorry for me. Because I got in my car. Before I pulled out of the parking lot, I turned on the radio. You know what song was on? Fear is a liar. Come on, isn't God good, somebody? 
I rolled down the windows and I'm, I'm, I'm singing all the way home. And again, you know what went off on the inside of me? They didn't call me, God called me. They're not gonna be with me, God's gonna be with me. They can't prepare me, only God can prepare me. I can just, just tell some of you that there's a call that God has over your life, that he's, he's got dreams for you that you've not yet dreamt. He's got things for you to experience that you've not even thought about asking for yet. There's some of you that are here, you've heard his voice. He's called you to do things. He's called you to start things. He's called you to go places. But for whatever reason, you've not gone over to the burning bush. You've not leaned in and you've not said those three words that Moses said, here I am. Because of fear, because of doubt, because of questions, the Holy Spirit wants you to know, according to Romans, the call of God is irrevocable. God doesn't, listen, God doesn't remove his call from your life because you say no to his call. God's call on you doesn't change because you deny the call. God's call doesn't go away because you delay the call. The Bible says the call of God is without repentance. It's irrevocable. I can't be bad enough to take the call of God off my life. I can diminish it. I can delay it. I can deny it. I can destroy it. But I can't remove it. Because the Bible says it's irrevocable. There's some of you that are in the room today. And there's a call on your life. And maybe you've delayed it. Maybe you've denied it. It might be a call as simple as witnessing to a friend at school or at work. It might be a call to start a Bible study. It might be a call to go on the mission field. It might be a call to start a ministry. It might be a call to deepen your faith. It might be a call to make a call, to make amends where you've allowed bitterness and unforgiveness to live in your life. Just because you've delayed it or denied it doesn't mean that God isn't still calling you to do it. Because the call is irrevocable, according to the Bible. I just believe that there's some people that are in the room today and you'd be honest enough to say, you know what, Scott, I want to be like Moses. I don't want God to tap somebody else on the shoulder to experience the dream that I was supposed to experience, to walk through the miracles that I was supposed to walk through. I don't want somebody else to see God do in their life what he wanted to do in my life because I didn't have the courage to say, he called me, he'll be with me, and he'll prepare me. And as you stand on your feet, I just wonder, come on, everybody, just stand up. <coughs> I wonder, is there anybody who's here and you would say, you know what, Scott, that's me. That's me. I know there's something that God's called me to do. He's put it in my heart. He's put it there in the form of a burden. He's put it there in form of a vision. He's put it there in form of a dream. He's put it there in form of a passion. He's put it inside of you. But you've either denied it or you've delayed it. You've pushed it off. And there's a burning bush. It's fired up in front of you today. And he wants to know if like Moses... You'll walk over and you'll lean in and you'll say, here I am. 
I'm here, Lord. I want to hear from you. I want to do what you've purposed me to do. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman. I want to be the young person. I want to be what you've called me. You called me. You promised to be with me. You promised to prepare me. If that's you and you're here, just nobody bow your head, nobody close your eyes. Because if you got to hide it behind it in here, you'll never be able to walk it out out there. You'd say, Scott, that's me. I'm ready to walk up to the bush, lean in and say, here I am. Here I am. Just raise your hand. Everybody in the room, just raise your hand. Come on, hold them up high. Don't be ashamed. Just hold them up high. Because I'm getting ready to ask you to do something even harder. As the band gets ready to play and sing, we gotta, if you got to leave, I understand. I've gone over my time a minute. If you got to leave, I love you. God bless you. But I understand that God may want to do something in somebody's heart. There's something significant about Moses leaving the far side of the desert and walking over to where the bush was burning. There's something significant about that movement to lean in and say, here I am. If you're serious, if you're serious about leaning into God, about making yourself available to him, as they play and sing, I want you just to very quickly, don't wait, don't see, wait to see who's coming. I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come and I want you to stand in this altar and I want you just to begin saying, God, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Speak to your servant, I'm here. Go ahead, if it's you, just come and say, God, I'm here. Come on, just, just start coming, just start coming. I'm here, God, I'm here. I wanna hear from you. I need to hear from you today, God, I'm here. Speak to your servant, your servant's here. I'm open. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I want to chase down the impossible. I want to trace down your purpose. I want to chase down your dream. I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready. Sing it real good. We make a miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, just tell him now. you to do if you're in the altar raise your hand toward heaven come on both of them both hands high repeat after me if you will say heavenly father i am here i am here my ears are open my heart is open my mind is receptive speak to me give me your plan for my life i know you're calling me i receive your promise to be with me. And I thank you in advance for preparing me. I'm here and I'm willing. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on. Come on, now just lift your hands and thank Him for it, will you? Come on, lift your hands and thank Him. Because He's working in you. He's working for you. Yeah. in their lives open doors that they can't open on their own bring relationships that will enable them to accomplish the plans and the purpose that you've hardwired into your children Lord let them see what they've not been able to see bring clarity Bring confidence. Empower them by your spirit. Lord, may they see miracles. As they walk in obedience, may they see the miraculous happen in their homes, in their hearts, in their workplaces. Miracles in this church, miracles in their families, miracles in their businesses, miracles, God, in their children. Lord, bring a revival through obedience into this church. In Jesus' name, we pray and establish these things as done. And everyone who believes it says together, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, give Jesus a great big ovation. Remember what he said, obedience precedes the miraculous. Thank you, those of you here in the altar, those of you who raised your hand a few moments ago for taking that step of obedience. We're believing in the miraculous for you that God has called you, he's going with you, and he's gonna prepare you for whatever it is that he's calling you to do, amen? I love what he said too as we close of, of, of how we get there. Keep coming back, keep coming back. Spend time with God every day. 
and then lean into those that are following Jesus. As you leave today in both of our lobbies, we are, we are registering people for life groups. If you want more information about groups, I looked at the list. Virtually every day of the week, there's a group meeting. There's something in a group of people that are ready to walk with you through this, this journey called life and growing and learning to live to be more and more Christ-like. Amen. I hope you'll take advantage of that either in our lobbies today or online at mountpairnorth.com slash lifegroups. Men, two weeks, there's a men's group or men's event for you. Please go on our website, find out more information about that as well. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you and grant you peace. In Jesus' name, let's give our response together from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.